0: All right, well, welcome again to H2O. It's so great to have you here with us today. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here if I haven't got the chance to meet you. And this is a really exciting time of year for us here at H2O. I'd like to say we're working our way into summer, although it certainly doesn't feel like that, does it, with the craziness outside. But uh, this week we are wrapping up our seventh week of this I Am series that we've been talking through. And then next week uh, we are going to come together. Right now we're, we're one church, but we meet in two different locations every Sunday. We have three different services. So next Sunday at 11 a.m. we're going to have just one service, have our whole church together at 11 a.m. in the Union Ballroom, and we're going to just celebrate all that God has done uh, throughout the course of this year already, and use that to kind of catapult us into the summer. So it's it's such an exciting time of year. It's been so awesome to see what God is doing and what God is continuing to do. Uh, Easter was last week, and as I said, today we're wrapping up our series. If you haven't been with us, we've been working our way through the book of John. And in the book of John, Jesus has almost like this mission to inform us about who he really is. The, the book of John is a little bit different from the other gospels. There's four gospels in uh, the New Testament, and the gospels specifically tell us about the life of Jesus, and they give us an inside picture into what it looked like when he walked on this earth. In uh, and, and the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're very similar, but John is actually pretty different from those other three Gospels, because John gives us some special, unique insight into the character and the nature of Jesus, and one of the ways that he does that is he records these seven different I am statements that Jesus makes about himself, and so if you've been with us, you've heard uh, six of those seven statements, and we've taught through them, things that Jesus would say about himself, like I am the the light of the world, or I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, I am the truth. Door. And we've worked our way through these seven different I am statements, and we've also recognized that by the very nature of that statement, I am that it was an extremely powerful recognition of Jesus of a couple different things. First, it was not just, you know, these two simple little words. They were words that have major significance specifically in the Jewish world and the Jewish culture because I am, those two words, is what the God of the universe used to refer to himself. And so the Hebrew translation of I am was Yahweh. And that's what they would use to refer to God. And so Jesus, in just making these statements, I am, fill in the blank, the rest of these seven statements, he was saying, I am one with the God of the universe and as you see me you see God. So he was saying some pretty powerful things and then he was also telling us how we need to view him and how we need to receive him and he would use an analogy oftentimes to help us get a picture of how we can relate to him and in essence how we can relate to God and so if you haven't got a chance to to be with us for this whole series love to invite you to even go back and check out some of the sermons because they build on each other and it's been extremely interesting. Our hope at the beginning of the series was that we would leave this series knowing a little bit more about who Jesus is. Knowing a little bit more about who Jesus tells us he is. And I think that has been an amazing journey. I know for me, I've really enjoyed it as as I've got the opportunity to teach and to listen to some of these teachings. And today, as we're wrapping up, we're coming to this final seventh I am statement that Jesus makes. And the statement that Jesus says in in this chapter, John 15, that we're going to look at today, is that he is the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine vine and Jesus is going to go into this discourse where he's going to tell us about what it means for us to be connected to the vine and he's going to tell us about what it means for us to actually produce results as we're connected to the vine and I think that it's a pretty fitting message that we're coming to today as we're working our way through this series and wrapping it up because we live in a culture and in a world that's pretty obsessed with production don't we? We live in a culture in a world that's pretty obsessed with figuring out what we can produce and, and how busy we can keep ourselves oftentimes. When when I was in college, one of the things I did to work my way through college was I, I got the chance to work for this construction company. So for four summers in between college, when I would go home, I would work for this mason. And my job was just to be a laborer. My job was to be a, a grunt worker. And so these guys, we mostly lay blocks, so we build foundations of houses. And you know, I wasn't enough. I was a young kid. I wasn't skilled enough to be the guy that was actually laying the blocks. But you know, I was young and in shape enough where I could mix and do all the labor to put these guys in the best position to lay as many blocks as they possibly could in a day to build the basement as fast as you could so that my boss could make more and more money. That's the job of a laborer, right? You produce as much as you possibly can. So I would mix up mortar and I would put in a wheelbarrow and I would take it down to the guys who actually had skills, and I would slop all the mortar on these boards and then. And they would lay these blocks. And over and over again, I'd be lifting heavy blocks. I would be doing as much physical labor as you could imagine pretty much in a day. It was a hard job, but it was a fulfilling job. But it was a lot of fun. But my boss had this one uh, phrase that he would say to us. A lot There's three or four of us college guys and younger guys who were kind of just the laborers, the grunt workers. He had this phrase that he would say to us when he got mad at us if we weren't doing something right. He would, he would yell this phrase at us. He would say, hey, work harder, not smarter, Don't dummy. (laughs) Work harder, not smarter, dummy. And uh, it, it was kind of funny because he meant a lot of different things by that phrase. Sometimes he meant like, you're being lazy, so you need to work harder. Like, don't sit there and drink coffee. Go make some more mortar, you know, lift some more bricks. Work harder, not smarter, dummy. Or sometimes he would mean like, you're actually working too hard, you're doing something wrong, and so you're going through way too much work to just do a simple task. So then he would say, work harder, not smarter, and it would kind of be like this sarcastic thing, like actually you should be working smarter, not harder right now. Either way, he would use this phrase interchangeably, and we knew we were doing something wrong whenever he would say that phrase to us, and it's funny, even now on staff, I, I say that to our staff sometimes, just totally joking, of course, you know, if, if we're doing something or having a meeting or maybe something hasn't gone right, I mean, guys, you know, Know, we just need to work harder, not smarter, you know, come on, dummies, let's go, and, uh, and, and we'll all joke about that, but I think it's, it's kind of a, a, a picture of the world that we find ourselves in, isn't it? Production is something that is extremely important, and, and if we're all just honest with ourselves, you know, we oftentimes get value of, about, out of how much we can produce in life. We oftentimes get value out of how busy we are, don't we? I was doing this little survey even just over the last couple weeks because I I knew that I'd be doing this teaching. And so I was just trying to pay attention to people's answers. So I I would go around and ask a bunch of people uh, this question. Hey, how's it been? Or what have you been up to lately? Or how are things going? And within the first couple sentences, almost 100% of the time, this phrase would come up. Oh, things are going really well, but man, I am so busy. You know, uh, things are going great, but wow, I'm just so busy. And, And we use that word busy to describe our lives, whether we really are or not, oftentimes because we think the busier we are, that means the more we're producing, that means the more valuable we are. And it's interesting as we come to this passage today, because Jesus is going to kind of change our mindset a little bit with that. That's our big idea that that I want to share with you today. The big idea is this, that lasting production can only come from being connected to Jesus. Like producing something that will actually last only comes when we are connected to the vine that Jesus refers to himself as. And so let's open up our Bibles and let's jump into John chapter 15 together today. We're going to work our way through the first 17 verses in John chapter 15. We're going to stop a couple different times and we are going to pull out some points here. Starting in John chapter 15 verse 1, Jesus says this. He says, I am, there's that seventh I am statement, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, productive. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to stop right there. I think it takes us to our, our first point. It's this that we need Jesus to make a real impact. We need Jesus to make a real, lasting impact. In this world, You see, all of us are craving significance and purpose. All of us, we're craving to do something valuable with our lives. And so we oftentimes grasp at filling our lives with as much stuff or as much busyness as we can to try to make ourselves feel like we're making an impact. But what Jesus says here is, listen, busyness doesn't cut it. Doing a bunch of stuff doesn't cut it. Being connected to me, that's what will allow you to have a real impact. I want to explain this section here just a little bit more in depth so that we understand what's going on here because anytime you read the Bible it's important to know what the original hearers might have been thinking as Jesus was making this statement that that analogy of a vine specifically of a grapevine would have been very familiar to Jesus's disciples as they were sitting in this upper room this is still this upper room goodbye discourse that we started a couple weeks ago where Jesus is going to be going to the cross very soon so he has his disciples to And he's teaching them and instructing them on all these different things. And as Jesus says to them, I am the vine, they would have got this picture because uh, Jesus' followers were Jewish at the time. And the Jewish nation, the Israelites, the vine, the grapevine was almost like this national symbol that they had. It was like a symbol of pride. God often referred to his people and himself as like this, this vine. And so when they heard Jesus say that he is the vine, they would have known that Jesus is saying something significant because this vine was often referred to uh, in, when the nation of Israel was being referred to. And so Jesus is saying, listen, like all the religious things, all the ceremonies, all the things of the Old Testament that you think of when you think of a vine, I want you to know that I am fulfilling those things. I am the vine. And, and as he was explaining that, he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. And you have to picture this sentence, you know, even as we hear it now. We're like, I mean, I know the whole Bible is true, right? Like if you've grown up in church, if you if you're a Christian, the Bible and everything in it is true. But is that really true? Like Can you literally do nothing apart from Jesus? Like, I know a lot of people who don't know God at all, and it looks like they're doing something. You know, it looks like some of them actually look like they're doing a lot of things. Some of them actually look like they're doing some pretty amazing things. So what can it mean that Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing? Well, here again, Jesus is referring to the fact that you can do nothing that will last. You can do nothing that will have an eternal impact that will actually matter. You may do a lot of things but you can't do anything that will truly make an impact that your heart is desiring deep within you unless you're connected to me. And then he talks about this pruning process, which is really interesting because we don't live in the same world or the same culture that was, that was lived in during that time. And so the agricultural culture during that time, pruning would have been something that was pretty normal. And... Um, I don't have a green thumb at all, actually. I don't really know anything about pruning, so I had to do a little bit of research. And what I found when I was doing a little bit of research was that like, pruning grapevines is really similar to pruning rose bushes. They're, they're really similar plants. Um, I guess, that's what I've been told, that's what I read. And we happened to just purchase a house about a year and a half ago that has like 20 rose bushes. And again, I don't have a green thumb, so I look at them and all I see is a bunch of work. You know, I, I look at them, and I'm just like, wow, that's a lot of work. But some of you, and, and God bless you, some of you are like, that would be amazing. Like, I would love to, to prune rose branches. You know, I would love to, to, to cut these things off, but what somebody does when they prune something, I've been told, because I don't do it, what somebody does when they prune something is they, they go to a, a vine or a rose bush, and they cut off these dead branches. I have, a, I have a dead branch I cut off this morning before I came over here. And the purpose of cutting off this branch is what? The purpose of cutting off this branch is to allow new life to grow. Cutting off something that that is dead, that is fruitless, that that doesn't have a future so that when it's torn away and taken away, something new and beautiful can sprout up and grow out of that. And so God says in the same way, even for you, my disciples, I'm going to prune you. I'm going to make something new and beautiful out of you. I'm going to help you grow, but you need to know you can't do it on your own. If I just like looked at this branch and now that it's cut off, I'm like, I have an expectation that it's going to grow. I'm going to be very disappointed, right? It's dead. It's cut off. It's separated from its source of life. And God is saying the same thing to us. If we're cut off, if we're not connected to that source of life, we will not be able to grow. But when we're connected and we allow God to prune us, then we reach the full potential that God has for each and every one of us. And and I think the implication is really clear. It's really not all that complex. When we think about pruning, we're cutting back things that are dead, that aren't bringing life, so that as we grow, there's this abundance So that the vine, all of its energy can go into something that's actually fruitful. You cut off the dead things so that all of the energy of the vine can go into producing more and more fruit. And the same is true with us. God says, listen, if we want to grow and mature with him, we have to be willing to let him into our lives. And root out some of the things that are separating us from him. Some of the things that aren't that fruitful. And that can be a hard process. But it is a beautiful process beautiful process you know I think that there's a a word to all of us in here uh, just about the temptation to be self-reliant you know sometimes as as we go throughout life as we go throughout maybe even ministry and trying to make an impact for people and trying to serve other people we can look at ourselves and we can forget that we are just the branches The, the the only abundance in life comes from being connected to that vine But Jesus is saying, if you're not connected with me, it won't grow. And so for all of us, the question is this. Are you open to God pruning you? Are you open to God inspecting you? And cutting out those dead areas of your life that aren't bringing anything productive so that you can grow to your fullest potential. Jesus says, if you're walking with me, if you're connected with me, I will prune you. I will help you mature. And so let me tell you this. A very beautiful prayer, but a very dangerous prayer is God, use me. God, use me. I want you to use me, God, because what you're saying in that prayer, which is such a beautiful prayer, is God, I give you access to everything in my life. And it may mean pruning some of those areas, but I give you access. And so when we do, God begins to work in powerful ways. Let's jump back in because there's so much more in this passage. In verse 6, let's read 6 through 8. It says this. It says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done For you. This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, the second thing is this God wants us to bear fruit. God actually wants and desires for us to bear fruit. In verse 8, there it says, It's to my Father's glory when you bear fruit and when you produce. But the question is, what type of fruit does God want us to bear? what does it look like to actually bear the type of fruit that God wants us to bear? What does it look like to grow and to mature in the way that God wants us to grow and mature? You know, if you talk to um, scientists or people who who study growth, I don't know what the word is for people who study growth, but if you talk to people who do study that, they'll tell you this. There's two different types of growth. Okay, There's mechanical growth, which is like if if you have a, a pile of sand, What is the only way to grow that pile of sand? You have to add more sand to it, right? There's no no way to organically grow a pile of sand other than adding more sand to it. I remember when my daughter was little, she was like five or six, and we came out and she was watering the sandbox. Maybe you've ever experienced that. Like, what what are you doing, you know? I'm watering the sandbox. Why? I want more sand, you know? I'm hoping that it'll grow. Sometimes little kids, they get mixed up in how you can make things grow. If something isn't alive, it can't grow organically. You can only just add more to it. The, so that's mechanical growth. But the other way that you can grow is organically. And when things are alive and when things are healthy, they grow. You look at a plant. When it's alive and it's healthy, it grows. You look at a human, just physically. When they're alive and they're healthy, they grow. And what God is saying is, listen, I want you to grow I want you to mature. I want you to produce. But you have to be connected in me. You have to be alive in me. And when you are, you will experience fruit and growth in your life. Jesus, through the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, he says this about being filled with the Spirit and bearing fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. So, what does it look like to bear fruit? What does it look like to grow organically, not just mechanically? not behavior modification because we can all modify our behavior but i would say that that's just mechanical growth that's just adding some tricks to the list that you can add to but true organic growth in christ is to say are you growing in the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law See, when Jesus is using this word where he talks about remain, it's oftentimes uh, communicated or translated as abide. And that means like make your home in me. Jesus is saying rest in me, stay in me, remain in me, abide in me, make your home in me. And when you do, God will give you this amazing ability to bear fruit. And that fruit looks like a life that honors God. Not a modified behavior, but a life and a heart that wants to please God because there's been real change. And we set our idols aside and we set the things aside in our life that we're tending to in our own brokenness and sin, and we start to embrace those things that God says are full of the fruit of the Spirit. There's also a hard part in this section, and I think it wouldn't be fair to not address it because Jesus says, If you don't remain in me, if you don't abide in me, if you don't make your home in me, you're like branches that are thrown away, and they wither. And such branches are picked up, and they're thrown into the fire. And that can be a a harsh sentence, To think that this God of love of the universe that that made us, that created us, that wants to be in a relationship with us can say that, that there are some people that aren't actually connected to him. And when we're not connected to him, it leads to eternal destruction. That can be a place of hurt and pain and brokenness. And what I think Jesus is saying here, remember the context. They're sitting in the upper room. There's 12 disciples around Jesus at that point. And he knows what's about to come. And so as he's sitting there talking to these 12 disciples, he knows that one of them had been doing this thing that was completely wicked behind his back. Judas was about to betray Jesus. Now you look at the outside of Judas's life, and it would have looked very similar to the rest of those 11 disciples. He had modified his behavior pretty good. He was going through the motions pretty well. But Jesus says, listen, not everybody who just says that they're a Christian, not everybody who just says that they're following me actually is abiding in me. There's a difference between giving lip service to me versus actually resting and remaining in me. He says there's consequences when you don't. And so as he's looking at his disciples, he's reminding them, when you truly rest in me, There's safety, and there's peace, and there's joy. And when you don't, there's destruction, which can lead to everlasting pain. It's a a heavy point, but it's a real point that Jesus is addressing to his disciples. And I think it would be wise for us all to take note. Just because we sit in church our whole lives, just because we we go through certain motions, doesn't mean that we're actually making God our home. Doesn't mean that we're actually connected to the vine. See, being connected to him means giving our whole lives, our whole hearts to him, repenting from our sins, turning to him and saying, I will trust you and remain in you and run to you for that fruit that can overflow out of me. Final section, jump back in. Verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command, it's this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. And then Jesus says this, this is my command, love each other. This is my command. Just love each other. Third and finally, it's this. The primary responsibility of a disciple is to love. The primary thing that God wants for each and every one of us is to live a life of love. And Jesus says some amazing things in this section. He looks at his disciples, and in essence, he looks at each one of us. He says, you're not just my servants. You're my friends. You're not just my servants. You're my children. And I want you to know how deeply I love you. And because of that love that I have for you, I want it to overflow into the relationships that you have with one another. The fruit that I want to see in you is the fruit that I've seen in myself, which is love. And so if you're abiding, remaining, making your home in me, then love one another. Here's a question for us to consider. Have you been growing in your love for others? If not, you're not growing in your love for God because they're completely connected. And so if you just think of your life, and you just, just do this exercise with me for, for like 10 seconds, just think of your life, think of yourself a year ago, think of yourself five years ago, honestly before God, can you say, I'm a more loving person right now, than I was a year ago. I'm a more loving person than I was five years ago. If the answer is yes, that's what it means to bear fruit. That's what it means to be connected to the vine. That's what it means to be following and in a relationship with Jesus. You see, that's what it means to grow and to mature in an organic way. To grow in our love is what God wants for each and every one of us. Now it's it's interesting sometimes being in ministry it's Such an amazing job! Like it's such a beautiful thing to be part of, helping to lead other people and helping to serve other people. You also get some like really interesting questions sometimes when you're in ministry. And not too long ago, I was meeting with somebody and we were talking about the church. And this particular person, I think he he probably had a great heart, um, but I think he might have been a little bit confused sometimes about what the exact role of the church is. So we were talking uh, about H2O and how things were going, and uh, he was asking me, and I was telling him some cool things that were happening, and. People meeting the Lord and baptism and stuff like that. And he's like, well, yeah, but are you growing? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, things are going great. And there's people that, are, you know, there's people that are growing and maturing. He's like, yeah, but, like, are you growing? Like, are there more people there right now than there were a year ago? And I'm like, well, actually, yeah, there there are, you know, right now. But, but you know, and then I kind of tried to change the subject again, you know. And he's like, but I want to know, how much are you growing, you know? like Like, how much... How much bigger is your church right now than it was a while ago? And as I was having that conversation, I thought, this is so common, right? Oftentimes, we set the bullseye on the wrong things. Sometimes we think that that is the pinnacle of what God wants for us, is to add more numbers or add more to our budget. And all those things are great, and we want to reach more people, and we want to grow. But the primary concern, the primary concern that we have at this church and that any church should have are we growing in our love are we growing in our love for God are we growing in our love for one another because if and when we do other things take care of themselves when we grow organically in the fruit that God wants for us to have people will be drawn to that And and, and everything else will take care of itself, but if we don't put the bullseye on what Jesus tells us to put the bullseye on, which is abiding and remaining and making our home in him, then it's so easy to drift to other things and make goals that aren't in line with God's goals for us at all. Jesus says, remain. Abide in me. That's the fruit that I want to see, a life of dependence. And when you do, you'll know by the love that they have for me and for one another. So that's our hope and our prayer. That's my hope and my prayer for myself. That's our hope and our prayer for our church, is that we would never lose focus of that, that we would always be connected to the vine. And as we grow and as we mature and as we reach more people, we remain in him. So that we can continue to make an impact on the things that actually matter, on the things that will outlast us and that will still be around for eternity. Because that's what our hearts are longing for. And that's a privilege that God gives us and invites us to be a part of. So let's pray. Let's worship God and let's thank Him for the fact that He prunes us, that He allows us to be connected to Him, and that we get to bear fruit in Him. God, we thank you.